Banging the drum all day. Yeah. <laughs> only, only a drummer. <laughs> I was going to apologize to the drummers today, but, um, you know, I don't want to work. I want to bang on the drum all day. It's kind of a uh, catchy uh, anthem, uh, modern-day rhythm. It kind of gets in your head. And to sing it, I mean, it's okay. But other people live it in various areas of life, and it's terribly, terribly destructive. Cindy and I were at uh, St. Louis Zoo a few months ago. We were with our granddaughter, Naya, Naya Six, and... We were uh, watching the animals, and we were reading and learning and just uh, talking about uh, the various exhibits, and we came up on the uh, exhibit of the sloth, and it's a fascinating creature. I don't know if you know, it's uh, indigenous to uh, South America. It's very slow-moving, toothless, and it's a tree dweller, and sometimes they hang by their claws for days at a time. You know, the, the sloth is so docile that crocodiles laugh at them, okay? They're just, they're slow. Anyway, Naya and uh, Cindy are talking, and Cindy's explaining to, to Naya that the sloth has become a symbol of laziness. And if someone lays around and sleeps, uh, they're real lazy, that you talk about them being slothful. And so you could almost see our granddaughter's little six-year-old mind just a-working. And without hesitation, she said, my mommy's slothful. (laughs) Okay, so in moments like that, I love technology. As fast as I could text, I'm relaying the very intricate details of this brilliant, very insightful conversation (laughs) that... uh, she'd had about the sloth, to which I get a reply from my daughter that just says, sweet. (laughs) And if you ask me, a one-word reply, a little lazy, you know, so. (laughs) Our uh, granddaughter, uh, Naya's mom, she works full-time, and she has three kids, need I say more, but... No one wants to be perceived as slothful. I remember several years ago, uh, Dason, it's Naya's, uh, their brother and sisters, and he, he was talking to me. He said, Grandpa, I was telling my teacher the other day all about you. And uh, so I was kind of proud, and I'm like, well, what would you say about me, buddy? And uh, he said, well, I told her that my grandpa sleeps in a lot and loves to play video games all the time. <laughs> it might explain when we went to Grandparents' Day why I got strange looks when I arrived there and uh, they found out I was his grandpa. But I was taken back a little bit. And so I explained to him, I said, well, buddy, Grandpa only sleeps in on Saturdays. And I said, the only reason I play video games and the only time I play video games is when you kids are down because you love to play Xbox. And he was like, oh, he hadn't thought about that. But see... I don't want to be perceived as slothful. I just don't. The sloth in the animal kingdom, very docile. But slothfulness in the human kingdom, well, it's deadly. 
And that's the sin we're going to focus on today. Today we're wrapping up our series. We've been looking at things breaking bad, uh, breaking free from bad things that that mess us up in our lives, Uh, the alias, the seven deadly sins. And these are bad things that reduce your spiritual potential. They diminish God's blessing in your life. They drive a wedge in our relationship with God, and they drive a a wedge in our relationship with other people. They defeat us, and they hold us captive. And that sin will destroy. You know, when it comes to sin, God didn't consult you and me about what sin is. He didn't get together a focus group. He didn't take a CNN poll and say, hey, let's determine what sin is. No, God, God measured sin against his perfect righteousness, against his perfect character, and he set a standard and God defines two different sins in, in, in Scripture. One is a sin of commission and a sin of omission. You know, a sin of commission is it's a sin that we commit, that we willingly and knowingly know it goes against what God's directed in, in his holy word. And sins of omission are those things that we should have done or could have done or would have done, but we didn't do them for whatever reason. And I believe most of us here that we sin far more with the sins of, of omission than sins of commission. You know, the sin of slothfulness is a sin of omission. You know, when the, the seven deadly sins were being compiled during uh, the Middle Ages by theologians, they debated about which sin to put first. And what, what was to be at the top of that list? Was it to be pride or was it to be sloth, you know, slothfulness? They determined that pride would go to the top. They moved slothfulness to the bottom, and their thought behind that was that it has an underlying effect on all the other sins that we've talked about in this series. When I hear slothfulness, I mean, my first thought is we don't deal with slothfulness. I mean, we're, we live in a culture where we've cultivated just a, we're a collection of workaholics, in fact. People who are stressed out and we're tapped out and we're overworked and we tend to want to overachieve in life to the point that psychologists today would say, chill out, you know, slow down, relax. In fact, as I was writing the, the message, I thought... I don't know, maybe we need a little slothfulness in our life. But then I thought, I don't want to be known as being slothful. I mean, do you? Any of you want to be slothful? Most of us push back hard when it comes to that notion of being slothful. You you look at your life, you look at the rhythm that you keep and the fast pace at which you run, and you kind of go, you know what? When I tune in to what's going on in my life, I'm anything, but I don't want to work. I want to bang on the drum all day. I mean, that just seems foreign. And it doesn't matter. I mean, maybe your home is immaculate. Maybe you recreate very competitively in your life. Maybe you work very strategically. Most of us, though, struggle with slothfulness. 
In one form or another, it creeps into our life. It doesn't appear everywhere. The fact is, slothfulness is kind of selective in our lives. And I believe if we were to examine our lives, we would see that very slow-moving, toothless mentality that's kind of hanging around in some areas of our lives. I'm just curious, how many of you right now can think of something that you've been putting off? Come on, let's be honest. Procrastination is a form of slothfulness. It's a universal problem. Most of us have something that we've been putting off. We know we need to do it, but we just keep putting it off. And here's the problem with procrastination. When it becomes a way of life, it will mess you up. And the more you procrastinate, the better you become at it. In fact, some of you, you've become pros at procrastination. And I I did some extensive research on, on the topic, and I've come up with a definition for you. Procrastination. You know, it, it's someone with a weight problem, W-A-I-T. The dyslexic in me had to think for a minute. <laughs> weight problem. The mindset of a procrastinator is a life that's kind of in phases. I'll start early this time. I've got to start real soon. I should have started sooner. You know, there's still time. What is wrong with me? I can't can't wait any longer. I got to get to it. If I had just do this and get it done with, next time, next time, I'm going to start earlier. I mean, it's a rhythm. I don't want to work. I'd rather bang on that drum all day. And it's a rhythm that is way more prevalent than any of us want to admit. Now, someone said uh, procrastination is my sin. It only brings me sorrow. I know that I should give it up. In fact, I will tomorrow. You know, God's word's really clear on the whole topic of procrastination. James, James writes this, he says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. That's a great verse to uh, use as part of your devotions this week. Um, it's short, but it says, it says a lot. We all know stuff that we ought to do, right? And we don't do them. And we all know stuff that we shouldn't do, but we do it. Why do we procrastinate? I mean, why is that? I, I believe if we're going to get a handle on procrastination, if we're going to get a, a, a way to break bad here, we've got to understand the whys. Why do we procrastinate? What causes us to procrastinate? And there's really one of about five reasons with that. One, indecision. Indecision will cause you to procrastinate because you're just not sure. Just not sure. James writes, he says, they're double-minded, unstable in all their ways. 
How many of you have ever uh, sent a waiter away when you were at a restaurant because you couldn't decide or make up your mind what you were going to get? I mean, that's a, that's a little thing. That's not a big deal. But indecision will cause you to postpone things that you should do. It'll keep you from uh, choosing a college. It'll keep you from getting married. It'll keep you from dealing with an issue or changing a job or taking a step of faith in, in your life. The fact is, indecision will just mess you up. And then perfectionism will cause you to procrastinate, to, to be slothful in your life. Ecclesiastes, the writer writes, says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Perfectionism gets in the way a lot. It causes problems in life. If you wait for everything to be perfect, the fact is you will wait a long, long time before you'll do anything. And you do not have the time and you do not have the money to wait for things to be perfect. If you're waiting for a perfect uh, environment to make a shift, the fact is you will lead a very docile life. You just won't do a lot. And then fear. Fear will lead you to procrastinate. Proverbs uh, says fear can be a trap, but if you trust in the Lord, you'll be safe. Fear's a trap. Fear will, will get you to put things off. You know, how many of you have been postponing, you know, going to the dentist or getting a checkup or going for marriage counseling or, or having an honest conversation with someone? How many of you have postponed talking about your faith to someone? You know you should, but you don't. And I w- would just challenge you to ask yourself, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? What's keeping me from doing this? And then anger. Anger will cause you to procrastinate. Proverbs 18.9 says, a lazy person is as bad as someone who is destructive. It's an odd verse, isn't it? See, procrastination sometimes is a way we get back at people. You know, people we don't like or people that we're angry at or we're angry at what, what's being asked. Uh, kids, kids are great procrastinators. Ask him to clean the room sometime. Sometimes, I remember when our girls were little, it like took forever sometimes because they didn't want to do it. You know, some of you right now are thinking about, you know, conversations with your mate. And you go, well, every time I ask him to do something, nothing, nothing. I've been after them for months to do this and they're still not doing it. And the fact is, procrastination sometimes is just passive resistance. I'm not going to do it because I don't like anybody telling me I should do it. And it will cause you to put things off in your life. It will. And then just flat out laziness will bring out the sloth in you. Proverbs 13.4 says, Lazy people always want things but never get them. Those who work hard get plenty. I'm going to be careful how I say this, but we are now a generation that had a, a very low tolerance for pain in life. We do not deal with frustration well. One of the most popular words today is the word easy. We want what we want, but many times we're not willing to do what we need to do, what we need to go through to get what we want. 
I, I want you to imagine a bestseller today that is like the 10 difficult things to change your life. I don't think it would sell. You know, 10 difficult ways to get in shape. We want easy in life, not hard. We want easy. And there's really a couple misconceptions on the whole issue of procrastination. Oftentimes when we procrastinate in our minds, we're saying to ourselves, well, it would be easier just to avoid this than to face it. And that is not true. Now, people say, well, it'll be easier to handle tomorrow. It'll be easier later. That's wrong again. Procrastination will mess you up. It'll cause you problems. It'll cost you. The the problems it'll cost you, Proverbs uh, 15, 19, it says, if you're lazy, you will meet difficulties everywhere. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have been putting off a repair with the car or maybe at home, something like that? You know, maybe a small leak. And somehow in your mind, you you put it off and you put it off. And friends, if you put it off long enough, at some point you're going to have to tear out the wall, the roof, you know, part of of, uh, the flooring because you let it go. And what happens is it gets worse and worse and worse over time. Procrastination will take a problem and ultimately make it a crisis in your life. And the longer you wait to start, the harder it is to to begin the whole process. Procrastination will waste opportunities that you have in your life. Scripture says the lazy person does not plow in season. Harvest comes. And there's nothing to be found. Surprise. Friends, when opportunity knocks in your life, you got to open the door. You got to take advantage of, of the moment. I think one of the saddest words that I hear roll off of people's lips is when they say, It might have been had I, if only I had done this or that. And what happens while we're procrastinating while we're postponing life speeding by you. Like uh, Thomas Edison said, uh, opportunities missed by most people because it's dressed in overhauls and it looks like work. Hmm. Procrastination will ruin opportunities in your life. Young people especially hear that. You think, oh, I got so much time. It will ruin those opportunities. It will cause you to waste your life if you're not careful. I mean, choose very, very carefully in life. And procrastination hurts people. Laziness will prevent you from being a loving person that God's called you to. Because love, love requires commitment, it requires energy, and it requires work. It is easier to be lazy than to be loving. Procrastination makes you willing to, to give up on the things that really matter in life, that really count, you know, to not do the stuff that you need to do. You know, how, how is that? Well, here, here's just an example and, and kind of follow with me. I want you to picture a guy. He pulls in the drive, end of a really hard day, maybe a hard week. 
and he walks up to the door. And before he opens the door, he realizes on the other side is his wife and kids. On the other side are a lot of opportunities. And he could engage his wife in a conversation that evening. He could play catch with the kids out in the yard or help them with their homework or read them a bedtime story, read the Bible with them, have prayer with them. There are a lot of different things that he could do. Lots of opportunities. But tonight, none of those opportunities will be realized. I mean, he's got Sports Illustrated in one hand, a movie from Redbox in the other, and he just wants to chill out. See, he's too lethargic to demonstrate love. Social scientist uh, Scott Peck, he writes this. He says, Americans have a relational problem because they're lazy. They're too lazy to express love. Ouch. Does anybody have a house that has this slow-moving, toothless mentality hanging? Maybe in your family. Maybe in your marriage. I mean, you know, you know that your marriage needs some romancing, it needs some life, it needs some creativity, but you're just too lethargic to love. Friends, many marriages end up breaking up, and if you dig to the root of it, it's because of laziness. I mean, both knew what needed to be done, Both understood what the struggles were. Both even knew how to to move forward. And either one or both are not willing to make the effort. It happens all the time. See, I don't want to work. Maybe it'll get better someday. And we procrastinate. Lazy parents... They produce problem kids. And parents, be honest with yourself right now. How many times have you gotten home, you've had a hard day, a lot of irons in the fire, and when you got home, you knew knew the kids needed disciplined or uh, you needed to deal with an issue, but you were just too tired. Ask the kids to clean their room or help out with something. And they resist. And rather than make them do it and work at it, you go, oh, forget it. I'll just do it myself. And here's what I want to say. Parents, don't do that. Do not be lazy. It hurts the kids. Procrastination Not only hurt yourself, it hurts other people around you. I mean, maybe, just maybe, that slow-moving, toothless mentality has got its claws in you. Maybe it's hanging in some area of your life. I mean, maybe right now, maybe you're realizing for the first time, you go, I never thought about it. Maybe you've known for a long time. 
But how do, you, how do you break free from it? How do you break free from procrastination? How do you break bad here? I, I'm going to use the word sloth. That'll be easy to remember. And we're just going to kind of tackle this and know that a couple of the things we're going to talk about, we talked about last week, but there, there's a lot of overlap here. S, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses in your life for whatever it is. Proverbs says a lazy person is full of what? Excuses. I don't want to work. I want to bang on the drum all day. And we push back, don't we? Not me. Not me. See, other people make excuses. We can see it. We see it in their lives. But we have reasons, right? What's your excuse? What's your excuse for that thing that you've been for a long time saying, one of these days? And I just want to ask you, when are you going to get to it? You know, change requires that we break from that familiar rhythm in our life, that we change the beat, that we beat down the excuses that we keep coming up with, and we get to working in our lives. Now, Ben Franklin said, people who are good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. What are you, what are you making an excuse for? Where have you become an expert at banging that drum? I don't want to work. I want to bang on the drum all day. You know, what, what's the excuse for procrastinating? What's the excuse for putting it off? What's the excuse for put, putting that, that thing that you need to change and just putting it on the back burner? You know, one of the top excuses I hear around here is when things settle down. I'm going to, and then they'll tell me the rest. Newsflash today, it's never going to settle down. It's never going to get easier. You, at some point, you just have to stop making excuses in your life. L, launch today. Launch today. Not next month, not next week, not next year, not tomorrow. Now, start today. You know, Proverbs, it says, uh, never brag about what you'll do in the future. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. I'll do it someday. Someday, friends, it's today. It's today. One of these days really is none of these days. And if you were to launch today, I, I would challenge you, because if you were to take that step, it would change your life. It would change your Christian walk. Every time you say, I'll do it later, there ought to be a warning light that goes off, a siren that says, you're procrastinating. Here, stop making excuses. Launch today. It's a new rhythm we're looking for in life. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of one thing to do that you know God's been pressing you on maybe in four different areas of your life. So one thing in each area. You know, family. Take your family. One thing that you know God wants you to do in your family. You know that you need to change. You've you've thought about it for a long time probably. 
You know, parents, one of the, might be as easy as going out and signing up to say, you know what, I'm going to come be a part of Wednesday night in the new series. And I'm going to come and, and work on my parenting skills and talk about it and be encouraged by other parents. You know, it's just in the zone, all right? It might be that simple. One thing in your personal life. Again, something you know you need to start doing. You've been putting it off. You know it needs attention. You know it needs to change. And so, you know, write it down. Say, I'm going I'm to do that. Your career. You know something you need to be doing, something you've been allowing to pile up in your life. Maybe it means shifting gears so that you can do something else vocationally. I, I don't know what it is, but you do. You know, what is it? And then one thing in your, your Christian life. You know, so many times we, we can get lazy here. People go, well, one of these days I'm going to get really serious about my relationship with God. One of these days I'm going to read my Bible. One of these days I'm going to start praying regularly. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start giving. One of these days, friends, launch today. Not tomorrow, do it today, whatever it is. I was reading uh, NASA. They said that the greatest amount of energy is required to lift the rocket off the pad. But that once it's in orbit, it becomes much easier. I think that's true when it comes to change in our life. It's the launch, it's the start that's very, very difficult. And if we just take the step, we'd find it much easier. Oh, Operate with a plan. Operate with a plan in your life. You need a plan. Scripture says a wise person thinks ahead. A fool doesn't and even brags about it. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. You need to to designate a time each week, even if it's a half hour or something, and just Begin to plan in those various areas of your life. Strategize, evaluate, think about where, where it is you're going. And what happens is as you block out that block of time, as, even though that's small, it changes the rhythm in your life. And what happens is you begin to design kind of a, a new song sheet to work off of. And now you're playing a new tune. And as you're doing that, it's tuning up your life. It's changing things in your life. You want to spend more time with your spouse. Maybe that's the thing. You go, well, we're, we've really gotten far apart. Then plan a date night. Write a note on the calendar. I tell people this all the time. If you're going to do something, write it down, put it on the calendar, and hold yourself accountable to it. Because otherwise, if you don't do that, it won't happen. See, that new note that you're putting down results in a new tune in your life. And I know as I'm talking, some of you are thinking about that, and you go, well, you know, we'll do it when we have time. There you go. You're banging the drum again. Same tune. And if you don't plan it, it won't happen. Making time for things, it's work. It's work. It'll always be work. But stuff that's worth the investment is worth the the labor. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, he says, make good use of every opportunity you have because these are evil days. 
I, I think I've shared this before, but I've known people that take even the smallest uh, moments in life and they use them. So I know people that listen to their Bible as they're driving to and from work and they're, they're able to get through the Bible once a year doing that. You know, I know people that uh, at stoplights memorize scripture and they've, they've memorized hundreds of scriptures just sitting at stoplights or waiting in line at the grocery store or whatever. Make good use of every opportunity that God's given you. Break the rhythm, operate with a plan, and then break it down into to small riffs in your life. You know, it's a new beat in your life. Break it down into anything worth doing requires steps. And so you break it down so that you can take one step after another. Journey of a thousand miles starts right here. First step. Operate with a plan, set goals in your life. It'll help move you forward. And then T, take on your fears. Take on your fears. I challenge you to identify the fear that's keeping you from doing that thing that you've been for a long time knowing you need to do, but you just haven't got around to doing. And there are really two main fears that that hang people up. Fear of failure. That'll keep you procrastinating. I'd like to do this. I've thought about this for a long time, but if I take a step, I might fail, and so I won't start. And so you're paralyzed. You're paralyzed by that fear of failure, and many people just get stuck. And then, believe it or not, the fear of success keeps people from taking the shift. What if I succeed at it? It's going to mean all these things have to change or I'm not going to be able to keep up the rhythm. I'm not going to be able to continue the success once I have that success. And we don't like to admit it, but we have fears. We have fears in life. Friends, fear, we, we many times see it as a signal of weakness. And I want to tell you today, fear is a sign that you're human. We all have it. Only fools are not afraid in life. Mark Twain said, courage, courage is not the absence of fear. It's moving ahead in spite of your fears. You know, one way to deal with your fears, in fact, it's the only way to deal with your fears, is you've got to face your fears. When you avoid fears, what happens? They get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until they're monsters. When you face your fear, as you take steps toward that fear, it gets smaller. And so I challenge you, ask yourself, what are you afraid of today? What's the worst thing that could happen if you were to take that step that you know you need to take? What is it? Paul says, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. See, you can change the beat. You can quit banging the same drum. You can change anything and everything in your life. And you can do it because you got the power of God in your life. You got the Holy Spirit's power in your life. You got Jesus Christ giving you the strength to do the work that's necessary. God will strengthen you. God wants you to stop procrastinating. God wants you to start working on whatever it is that he's put on your hearts and your minds. 
And then last piece, H, highlight the gain. Highlight the gain, not the pain. Fact of life, very few things in life are easy. Life is tough. Life requires work, always has. And you've got to learn to push through the frustrations. And the only way you, you do that is you remember God's with you and you keep focused on the gain, not the pain. You know, you look, look at the gain that's beyond the pain. You, you look at the reward instead of the temporary discomfort that you're going to have in life. Change your focus and just highlight. What is it I'm going to gain here? Focus on what, what it is that you can be. So many times we want to focus on how we feel instead of how we'll feel when we get through it. Now, how many of you remember when you were a kid, uh, you wanted to get your homework done, or I did as soon as I got home from school, because I wanted to enjoy the rest of my evening. If I put it off and put it off and put it off, all that happened was I dreaded it all evening long, and so I didn't even enjoy the evening. Highlight the, the pain in life, and you won't do anything. Highlight the gain, and it helps you. It's work. It's hard work initially. But you learn a new beat. You learn a new rhythm. And it gets easier and easier over time. You know, Galatians, uh, Paul writes, he says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. The wrong thing to ask yourself is, what do I feel like doing? That will lead you to bang on the same drum. I don't want to work. I want to bang on the drum all day. Friends, an immature way to live is to live by your feelings. Great things in life require work. They require sacrifice. They require commitment on our part. And so just simply, what needs to change in your life today? What have you been putting off? What is that thing that you say one of these days you fill in the blank? Is it possible that you've got that slow-moving, toothless, lethargic mentality that has its claws in you? Friends, break bad, break free. What's it going to take to get you to change? You know, God, God wants you to change. God will give you the power you need to change. And I just want to say a word to a few of you. The biggest mistake you will ever make in your life is delaying opening your life up to Jesus Christ, Period. I don't know very many people. I've met a few that are just, well, I have nothing to do with God. But I, I do not know very many people that when you talk to them, that they wouldn't say, well, eventually, someday, 
I want to get things right with God. You know, people will say, one of these days I intend to get serious about God. Friends, the road to hell is paved with those good intentions. And I, I would just challenge you to quit procrastinating on making Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life. Eternity's in the balance, your eternity. Quit putting it off. You know, stop banging on that deadly, destructive drum. If you defer at some point, you will regret it for all eternity. For some of you, you'd say, well, I I intend to get my life together. I'm intending to do this. I'm intending to do that. I'm going to make this change someday. I'm going to get my act together someday. Friends, throw down the sticks. Change the rhythm. Start breaking free. Break that lethargic mentality that's just messing you up and cheating you. Start breaking bad, whatever it is. You know, I, I challenge you, you know, we've talked about a lot, of, a lot of sins. And every week when I sat down with each one, I thought, this is hard on me. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, God's going, speaking to me each time going, okay, what do you need to work on, Damon? And every time I think, well, I'm good on this one. And I'd get about two minutes in and realize, eh, not so good on this one. I challenge you, whatever it is, maybe God spoke to you through one of the messages. Maybe God's prompting you this morning to make a shift. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have prayer. Uh, our prayer teams will be down here after service. Maybe, maybe today you go, yeah, I've been putting off making Jesus my Lord and Savior. Take that step. It's easy. You walk a few steps and, and just have some way pray. Where you can pray where you're at and just say, today's the day, Lord. Today's the day. I'm going to change, change that part of my life. I'm taking that step. That thing, whatever it is, just say, today's the day, God. Today's the day I'm giving that to you, and I'm going to change. You fill in the blank. Let, let, let's stand for a word of prayer together. God, we lay all this stuff at your feet. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just nag us, bother us, disturb us, whatever that thing is that uh, we've been putting off for too long. God, we all have something. God, I pray that we would just lift that to you right now. that today would be the day that we change. Today would be a day that marks a change in marriage, a change as parent, change in our work, a change in our attitude, change in our walk with you. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray you disrupt us to the point that it is easier to take a step than stay, stay where we're at. God, forgive us. We have, we've all procrastinated on things. And if we were honest, we've seen the hurt or we've seen the destruction. We've seen the problems it's created. 
God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just give us the strength to take that first step today. God, we honor you. We love you. God, we give our lives to you. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. God's people said, today's the day. Let's celebrate together.